Welcome to episode 49 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Pelo. I'm joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman and Core. Week 12 in the books in the NFL and in the college football world, the last week of the regular season, it was an absolute mess, chaos everywhere. I'm excited to get into it and recap it, and uh, let's get right to it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this season, college and NFL, just, just going by so fast. can't believe we're already in the, uh, almost near, like the, the conference championship games, but yeah, just enough, just another week at the office, just uh, ready to recap these uh, these past weeks. Yeah, of course. We're going to start in the NFL first, like we always do. And, Corey, we're going to talk about some teams who are kind of high right now, kind of on some win streaks. I guess we're going to start with one of the teams that I thought probably had the most impressive victory this past week just by, like, the sense of that they absolutely needed to have the game. The San Francisco 49ers beat the Minnesota Vikings this past weekend by a touchdown. And he came that, I mean, you saw both teams were hovering right inside that wild card race. I think going into the game, they were the sixth seed and the seventh seed. Now, technically, the Vikings drop out a little bit. But for the San Francisco 49ers, is a third straight win for a team that they lost at home to the Arizona Cardinals a couple weeks ago or about four, like three and a half weeks ago now. And uh, I was definitely a little nervous. I was like, that's not a good loss at all. That kind of, with no Kyler Murray, it's almost like, Am I really even bought in on the 49ers anymore? But you beat the Rams, the Jaguars, and now the Vikings again. Jimmy Garoppolo is starting to play more complimentary football to their run game. Their run game has absolutely taken off the past couple weeks. Debo Samuel might be out for the foreseeable future. They really think that it'll only be a week, so hopefully for their sake it is because of how special of a playmaker he is. But, uh, yeah, another big win for the Niners this weekend over the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, this was a big game for uh, playoff implications for, like, the six or seven seed in the uh, NFC. And yeah, I mean, the 49ers continue to kind of like keep building. I mean, they started off kind of slow and we were like, is Kyle Shanahan on the hot seat? But now, I mean, they've won, what, three in a row. I mean, the run game rushed for over 200 yards in this one. Debo Samuel, I mean, he, just his versatility, I think like he, he's got to be a top five playmaker like he's an absolute weapon you the guy has six carries 66 yards and two touchdowns and he's got over a thousand yards like he's he's a big weapon for this team I think if Debo is out I definitely think it's a big loss I still think that like this team's good enough to, to win games but I don't know they're definitely gonna have um Brandon Ayuk hopefully gonna have to fill that void um from last year when he's starting to come on a little bit but yeah I mean the San Francisco 49ers team got a big win and for the Vikings, I don't know, at five and six, just seems like, I don't know, they can never get uh, get over the hump, get that big win. I mean, this was a, this was a pretty big game for, for playoff implications. Just couldn't come out with the win. And Kirk Cousins, another game, can't can't get the job done in a, in a big spot. Yeah, I mean, again, the Vikings play a one-score game. What else is new this year? San Francisco just won the way that they want to, man. They, to- they dominate time of possession. Elijah Mitchell really got going in their backfield and just keep kind of Kirk Cousins and that Minnesota Vikings offense off the field. And at the end of the day, they did enough to do that. Minnesota also in this game did lose Dalvin Cook potentially for the next couple weeks. Uh, hurt his shoulder, I think. Yeah, he hurt his shoulder. I can't think exactly what they said, but they said it was going to be week to week. Looks like he might come back in week 15. They play Monday night football. So definitely something to look forward to for them. But, uh, yeah, definitely a sour note in this game. I mean, you get a great game, two good teams matching up, and you got they lose their stars on each side of the ball, so on both their offenses. So uh, a little bittersweet in that sense, but um, a good football game all around. And 
hats off to the Niners for taking that one. Core, we'll move on to the AFC. The Miami Dolphins have won four straight games now. They absolutely demolished the Carolina Panthers 33-10. to Cam Newton was benched in this game. CMC also gets hurt in this game as well. He's going to be done for the year. So from the Panthers side of things, kind of a nightmarish game. But for the Miami Dolphins, man, a team that a lot of people at one and seven were kind of um, real disappointed with. They were like, oh, we were high on the, the we were high on the Dolphins coming into the year. Now all of a sudden they're just not the same team. You know what I mean? Tua is he the franchise quarterback? But Tua has quietly played unbelievable football during this win streak. Jalen Waddles emerged emerging as a star receiver in this league and. Just like that, the, the Miami Dolphins are right back in the playoff race. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Miami, um, fourth win in a row. I think, I mean, their defense certainly has uh, has kind of flipped the switch, kind of getting back to last year's form. Uh, I kind of thought, I don't know, I thought like beginning, like they were showing like they were a fluke from last year. But yeah, that defense coming on again. And yeah, Tua, I mean, I feel like he, people are acting like he's not a, yeah, he's not a franchise quarterback. But honestly... He he's done a he's done a good job over the last um few weeks and, and they've been winning games and at five and seven I mean I'm not counting out the Dolphins just yet maybe they could sneak in I mean there's just the thing is there's just so many teams in the uh in the AFC like they're they're currently the 13 seed in the AFC at five and seven it's just it's just so many teams but I mean hey you just win games like you control your own destiny and I don't know the Dolphins right now um definitely a winnable game. At home this week against the uh, against the Giants, and they played the Jets, and they played the Saints. Like those are winnable games. So I don't know. I can't count this Dolphins team out just yet. The way they're playing, uh, they're just playing good football right now. Yeah, they're definitely in an uphill battle because of how they started and how good the AFC has been and how deep it is. But yeah, still kind of keeping their hopes at least alive enough at five and seven. But you're right, that defense too has really kind of revamped their like. There any chance that they had really the past couple of weeks? I mean, obviously the game still resonates with me. That what the job they did against Baltimore, and then last week against the Jets. You know, I mean, they kind of I don't I won't say they dominated that game against the Jets, honestly, but like I thought they like I didn't, I didn't really think I never felt during that game that they would ever lose that game. And then the uh, Panthers this past week, obviously they kind of uh, roll a little bit. Staying in the AFC East, the New England Patriots get another big win this past week over the Tennessee Titans, 36-13. to 13, That was extends New New England win streak to six. One of the top seeds now in the AFC, just behind Baltimore. I mean, again, a New England team, I thought, I thought they might squeeze into the playoffs preseason, but they have definitely proved me wrong in the sense that they are not just going to only squeeze into the playoffs. They got a chance to be in the upper echelon of the conference. Just another dominating victory in this one. Ryan Tannehill, didn't even throw for 100 yards. And, um, yeah, just, again, another incredible victory from the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots, they're, um, I mean, like, they're, they're a contender in the AFC. I don't think there's anything else to say to it. I mean, Mac Jones, I didn't really like him early in the year, but, like, you can't deny. Like, he, he's looking, like, better and better every week in this, um, in this system. That defense, I mean, obviously Bill Belichick, he's always relying on that defense. Uh, I mean, he's a secondary guy, but J.C. Jackson, I think, definitely deserves more love as a corner. I think he, um, he's part of, I think he's like a top five, top seven corner in the league right now. He's just been playing really good. The guy's name's Mr. Int on Instagram. And I don't know, their, their formula, like the offense really doesn't have that many playmakers, but they try to run the ball. 
And Mac Jones just has not been turning the ball over either, which definitely helps. So, I don't know. This New England team on paper, especially on offense, like not that scary. But I don't know. Bill Belichick, coach team, they're starting to – they're really heating up now. I don't know. They're definitely dangerous. And I'd put them in definitely like top – at worst, like top three in the AFC right now. They're just absolutely rolling. Yeah, they absolutely deserve that. I mean – Offensively, you mentioned that they're not like too scarily, but like schematically, they're great in what they're able to do, building off their run game with the play action pass and stuff like that. And there's no better quarterback for that right now in the league than Mac Jones and what he's playing in rhythm in that system. They've done a great job of so far letting him grow in that sense. I mean, you look even around the league, look at the other rookie quarterbacks. I'm I'm now Mac Jones is in such a better situation than a lot of the rookie quarterbacks. So kind of take that into context, but just again. The Patriots have set Mac Jones up to succeed a lot more, I mean, way more than any of these other young quarterbacks. So hopefully uh, he's able to keep going. I know obviously as some of these games down the stretch, you know what I mean, they're getting a lot more high intensity. I think Mac Jones is definitely ready for it, obviously, with his pedigree at Alabama and so far through the season. But you keep leaning on that defense and how good it is. You know, you shouldn't have too many problems. They have a huge matchup this coming week with the Buffalo Bills that we'll definitely talk about a little later. You mentioned J.C. Jackson in there to 100% right. I mean, there's a reason why the Patriots moved on from Stephon Gilmore. They realized that J.C. Jackson can step into that number one corner role. He can cover anybody in man-to-man, and that's what the way Bill Belichick likes to play with his top corner. And, yeah, he's been unbelievable the past two years, kind of really flown under the radar. Happy you brought him up and get him the recognition he deserves. Another team core on a three-game win streak, the Washington football team. They beat Seattle 17-15 on Monday Night Football. Kind of an ugly one, if you ask me, but the defense was pretty dominant in this game for Washington. Seattle scored like a late touchdown in this one to try to keep it close and ultimately tie the game. But Antonio Gibson, if you ask me, finally got going. A guy who... A lot of people were pegging as maybe a potential breakout candidate in his second year. Didn't really play a whole ton of snaps in his first year, but had a lot of touchdowns. Uh, had a real good game on the ground for them. And um, yeah, a Washington team now that snuck into the playoffs last year, I potentially you think they could do it again. I mean, they're 5-7, and seven, I want to say, right now. So um, who knows if they could potentially squeeze in. They technically, if the season ended today, would be the seventh seed. So I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah, Peo, I uh, hate to correct you. I think I think they're five and six right now. But, uh, yeah, I think right now, I mean, you look at the the uh, NFC playoff picture, I mean, the top six, Arizona, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Dallas, the Rams, and the 49ers right now. Like, after those six teams, like, maybe the Vikings, no one else, even like the Saints, if they, um, if Taysom Hill could step up, like, the Falcons, I have no confidence in. Maybe the Eagles. Like, that seventh seed, to me, is definitely wide open. I mean, San Francisco hasn't really escaped it, but after that top six, like, it is just clear wide open. And this this Washington team definitely has been giving themselves more of a chance. Because, I mean, early in the year, like, that defense was just getting torched, like, giving up 30-plus points a game. Like, that's just not this team's DNA. And I know Chase Young went down, tough loss to their defense, but their defense has really stepped up. And I don't know, they're definitely, their offense, Taylor Heineke's definitely look good. And yeah, Antonio Gibson, if he gets going, I think this team definitely could, um, not to make a run in the playoffs, but I definitely think they can get that seven seed in the, in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, last week you mentioned the defense is finally starting going. Last week finally seemed like it was more of a victory that they would have had last year, which is strange, too, because they lose Chase Young, and all of a sudden it seems like their defense has kind of stepped in a little bit, but maybe just helped coming off the bye week. Uh, yeah, you mentioned 5-6, and six too. My bad. It is 5-6. and six. So They are 
a half game up on some of the teams that are five and seven, like Philadelphia, and then they have tiebreakers over people. Besides the point, um, personally, do I really think they're a playoff team? I don't. I, I know that the NFC is wide open and stuff like that. I think just Minnesota is just a lot better of a football team, a lot more talented than them. I don't know. I've just never really seen it with Washington in the past couple of years. I think they've just kind of like taken like seized the opportunity in a sense and just done barely enough but i've never really been fully convinced by washington the most i was probably convinced about washington in the past couple was how good they played tampa bay in the wild card game but I, I don't know just the team doesn't really do it for me i will say this though when i start to look at some of the other teams that are in that hunt that they're tied with kind of i mean the atlanta falcons the new orleans saints the eagles the panthers like i mean i like washington i guess more than them it would be the vikings i i still i still like the vikings though more than washington so i'll hold off on saying that i think they'll be a playoff team but they they are right in the race so i can't i can't deny that yeah i mean i on paper like minnesota vikings definitely are more are just a better better team uh realistically the the Vikings should be able to get a playoff spot over the over the Washington football team, but I don't know, just like something about the Vikings, they honestly should have a better record than they are than they do have now. And I don't know, Washington's getting hot at um at the right time, kinda did this last year. Like, yeah, I think the Vikings are a better team, but I don't know. I just think somehow like they'll i I've somehow I'll, I'll call right now, I think somehow they fi- I called them to make the playoffs before the year, but I think somehow they'll find a way to choke. And I think Washington uh I think Washington will get in. Just no, just get that feeling. I think I think they'll get in. Hey, listen, Corey, if you got that feeling, keep running with it. I think it's uh, definitely a um, definitely a fair one to have. I think Washington, if they if they can continue to play that the way that they can win games, they know that they can win games the way that they just played this past Monday. In the sense that let your defense really go to work and don't let like, Taylor Heineke. He, he's sufficient at quarterback, you know what I mean? But I don't think Taylor Heineke, he's really going to will you to victories and stuff like that. Let him play within himself. Let Antonio Gibson go crazy on the ground and let your defense handle the rest and win a game. But all right, Core, I'll hold you to that, though, with Washington being a playoff team. I think it's a pretty good prediction right now. We're going to pivot back to the AFC, and we're kind of going to play a little contender versus pretender here, Core. I mean, I think it's fair to say right now that the New England Patriots, the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'll even throw in the Buffalo Bills into that sense. I mean, the Bills just got that dominating victory on Thursday night on Thanksgiving against the Saints. I mean, I don't think the Saints are really too much of a formidable opponent right now with Trevor Simeon at quarterback. I mean, that offense is it's tough, especially with no Kamara, too. So would you agree with me then that those three teams you're kind of putting like separate from the rest of the AFC? And I mean, honestly, Baltimore. No, you know what? No, we'll, we'll just keep those I, three teams. We, we, we agree with that. Yeah, no, I think those three definitely right now, top, top like quadrant of the AFC. AFC, I think everyone else that uh, you didn't name is a uh, drop, drop alone. I think it's fair. All right, perfect, perfect. So then we'll get into the rest of the teams and kind of talk about that, maybe discuss a little bit about their past couple weeks and stuff like that. I guess I'll start with Baltimore here first because Baltimore technically is the one seed in the AFC. I'm not completely as sold on Baltimore as I am the top three teams. Like I said, I think that Baltimore has shown a couple weaknesses this year. I think that they've become too Lamar Jackson dependent at times. But then again, this past week on Sunday Night Football, Lamar Jackson throws four interceptions and they still are able to beat a Browns team that are still good. You know what I mean? Yes, the Browns are having are struggling, but it's still a good football team to be able to overcome your quarterback throwing four interceptions. Pretty impressive there. I think Baltimore is fine. I think they are a quote-unquote contender, but I'm not necessarily sold. 
on Baltimore like they're an eight and three team, like their record shows. Yeah, I mean Baltimore. If you look like they're eight and three, easily could have a few more losses. Uh, to be honest, but I don't know. At the end of the day, like they, I think the only like really complete game they played was against the uh, the Chargers like a few weeks ago. They absolutely dismantled them at home, and they looked really good in that game. Obviously, they beat the Chiefs few weeks before that on Sunday Night Football, but a lot of their games, like, have not been pretty. But the thing is, they've come away with wins. And, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Baltimore is a contender. But, I don't like, Lamar Jackson, like, depending on him so much, uh, I don't know, like, in a game, in a one-game elimination in the playoffs, like, like, this team, they've had a lot of magic this year. I don't know how much more can happen against, like, a good team in the playoffs. But I would say, like, outside of those three, like, I put Baltimore up there. Like I said, like, sometimes it doesn't look pretty, but they've been getting uh, – they get the job done. I don't know how lo- much longer it could last, but, yeah, for now, I'll say, uh, I'll say Baltimore is a, not, like, a heavy contender, but, like, a slight contender in the AFC. All right. So, Corey, I guess we're going to stay kind of in the AFC North then because I mean, we mentioned Baltimore. I think Baltimore, though – at least the way I see it, definitely in the top of the AFC North, at least the top two, if you want to say. But if you had to choose one other team from the AFC North, right, the Browns, the Steelers, and the Bengals left, who would you choose as the best of the three and the most likely to be a contender? Or if you think that there is, like, a true, true contender out of the three? Out of those three, I mean, I think I think I'd want to say the Browns, but with Baker Mayfield, uh, he just hasn't looked good. Baker Mayfield, I don't know if he's hurt. I think the guy, I think obviously, I think his non-throwing shoulder is hurt. So I don't know. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with the Cincinnati Bengals right now. I mean, Cincinnati Bengals, they, I mean, they, they've been dismantling the the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I got to put them over them. And I know the Browns beat the Bengals, but I just like I said, I don't know how confident I am in uh in Baker Mayfield and that that Bengals offense with um Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Mixon is absolutely. He's come alive this year. I would definitely say out of those three, like, I think the Bengals uh, are, like, the biggest contender. Yeah, listen, I had high hopes for the Cleveland Browns this year. But, again, when you get four interceptions in a game and you're only able to muster up ten points on the offensive side of things, it's just, like, demoralizing from their defense. I mean, you look at their offense the past three weeks, too. They've put up seven points, 13 points, and 10 points. Something clearly has to get better. I know Baker Mayfield's health is definitely a question mark, but it's not something that, like, all of a sudden looks like it's going to get better. Yes, I know that they're going on a bye week, but, again, like, you're going to keep playing these physical games. Baker's going to get hit and stuff like that. I'm sure that the Browns are going to figure something out during the bye week, and they're going to come out. They play Baltimore coming out of the bye week, and I'm sure they're going to come out rolling for that game. They're going to be a lot high energy and stuff like that. But I can't just bat an eye at what the Cincinnati Bengals have done. So I'll, I'll agree with you to a sense. I'll go to the Cincinnati Bengals at least out of that group, which pains me to do because I think the Cleveland Browns are just a better football team than the Bengals. But when push comes to shove, results matter at some point. You know what I mean? Especially coming down the stretch. The Bengals have played real well coming up there by the past couple of weeks. Joe Mixon has ran the football better than he has in his career the past really five, six weeks and stuff like that. Joe Burrow, obviously, they have a quarterback advantage there, too, over the Browns. So, yeah, I'm going to ride with the Bengals. And I, the Steelers, too, I just think that um, they, I, don't, I don't know what it is. The Bengals just are their kryptonite, I guess. I mean, the last three times now that these teams have played, they've all they've beat them all three times and stuff like that. So, Court, I guess we'll kind of pivot now to the AFC West. And we were pinning the AFC West early on as maybe the best division in football. I don't know maybe if your feelings have changed, but 
I think you could definitely still argue that it is the best division in football. Obviously, we've mentioned the Chiefs higher up. But again, let me, let me hear your thoughts on what you think about the rest of that division and who you think is um, maybe a step up on the other. I know they lost, but like I, I, I still think the Chargers, I mean, they got to be the second best team in this division. Uh, I, I, I honestly am not sold on Vegas or Denver. I know they both had wins, but uh, I, I, I don't know. I just think Vegas did have a big win in uh, in Dallas this week, but something about Vegas, like their history of just traditionally not being able to get the job done when they have a chance at the end. And Denver just kind of seems like frauds, even though they did get the win at home this week. I think Teddy Bridgewater is good, but I don't know. I don't think... They're not a team that really scares me. I think out of those three, like, I'm definitely riding with the Chargers, Justin Herbert. Uh, Justin Herbert, they've kind of been inconsistent since the start. But I don't know. That team is – that's a talented team uh, on both sides of the ball. Maybe that run defense isn't too great. But, yeah, out of those three, I'm definitely going to ride with uh, the Chargers as the the top top team and maybe a contender. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm, the reason why I won't put the – like, I'm not going to put the Chargers – in the top category with those three teams that we mentioned earlier, the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Patriots. But, yeah, I think they're definitely going to be a playoff team and stuff like that. I just think they had maybe a couple too, like, a couple too many glaring holes. Like, their run defense is honestly brutal. Like, they have given up way too many yards on the ground. I mean, this year, this week, they're going against the Cincinnati Bengals, who have ran the ball better than almost anybody in the National Football League the past five, six weeks outside of the Colts. So, it's going to be a tough test for them and stuff like that. But, they had a tough. They had a tough week this past week against Denver. I, I I don't really take Denver's win too much. Being like, oh, Denver's a playoff team and stuff like that. I'm in agreement with that. How you feel about Denver? Vegas. I personally think Vegas is a better team than Denver and stuff like that. I think Denver's defense is better than Vegas's. But I, I was pretty impressed with the way that they played in Dallas. But again, yeah, I don't think that that make, that they're better than the Chargers. So I'll go with the Chargers there too. I think that. I think that they'll get to the playoffs. I'm not necessarily sure if they'll win a playoff game. So I'm not going to call them a contender for the AFC title, let's say, if that makes sense. But I will call them, in the sake of this thing, in the context that we're putting them in, a contender. So I guess we have one more division, really, that we haven't talked about in the AFC, the AFC South. I mean, it's a two-horse race right now between the Colts and the Tennessee Titans. The Titans do have two games up on the Colts right now, and they do have the tiebreaker on the Colts because they beat them twice in the regular season. So um, I'm curious what you think about both of these teams. Who do you think ultimately will win the division? And whoever and whoever doesn't win the division, do you think that they'll be a playoff team? See, like, this is the thing. I mean, the AFC is just so, so packed that I, I think I think Indianapolis, I kind of, I wasn't fully um, invested in them like throughout the first few games, but their schedule was really hard. And I don't know, through the last few games, I mean, Jonathan Taylor's been running crazy. I've been kind of, I'm kind of high on them now. I mean, they had a tough loss to the Buccaneers, but I don't know. They just have a tough schedule. If you look overall, I mean, even you play the Texans, you play the Patriots, Cardinals, like even the Raiders, like those aren't gimme games. Between these two teams, I, I mean, I, I'd want to say, I think the Colts are a better team right now, especially Without Derrick Henry, I don't think it's really that much of a debate. I mean, the Titans are very banged up on the offensive side of the ball. So, I think the Colts are a better team. I mean, only two games with a few to play. I know they play them one more time. I don't know. I, I, think, the, I, think, the Colts, I think the Colts win this division, right? I think the, the Titans have a lot, of, lot to overcome. I think the Colts are riding pretty hot, even coming off their loss. So, 
yeah, man, I think the Colts can win this division and get in the playoffs. And I think the Titans, I don't know, it's just, it's just so congested in there. I mean, I, I think they both get in, but I think the Colts can win this division. It's tough to see both these teams make it. But, yeah, I think they're both good enough. I think the Colts win the division. I think the Titans still get in as a top seven seed also. Yeah, I'm in agreement that these teams both get in, but I'm going to flip it. I'm going to go with that the Titans will ultimately squeeze out the division. I say squeeze out too because, like I said, they're two games up the Titans, but they also really have the tiebreaker over them. So the Colts really have to win three more games right now than the Titans down the stretch. Titans have a couple games. like They, they play Jacksonville and Houston still. You know what I mean? I'm not going to say those are gimme wins in a sense because Houston just beat uh, the Titans a couple weeks ago. But it just puts the Colts in such a – like tough crunch in a sense that if the Colts would have to win 10 and 11 games, they almost have to run the table with the rest of their regular season, which I don't necessarily know if they're going to do. But I, I think the Colts are better. Like I probably think the Colts right now are better than, I don't think they have a higher, higher ceiling than the Chargers, but I think they're better right now than the Chargers. I think they're just as good as the Bengals, if not better than the Bengals. So I think they're right in the wild card race with their record as well. So I definitely think there will be a playoff team for sure. I would be pretty surprised if they get squeezed out of the playoffs, but who knows if the Ravens win the AFC North, right? And obviously the Pats and the Bills are probably both going to be playoff teams. Then only two of the three of the Bengals, Chargers, and Colts can be in the playoffs. So I'm excited to see how that can play out and how it does. But I mean, yeah, the Colts, they went back and forth this past week with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, one of the best games over the weekend and stuff like that. Buccaneers have a late touchdown drive in that game with, uh, what's his name, Leonard Fournette. He scored like his fourth touchdown of the game, which he was unbelievable, by the way. I mean, we haven't really talked about him too much. But four touchdowns for playoff Lenny, 100 yards on the ground, uh, really bailing out kind of the Buccaneers who didn't play great offensively throwing the ball, but they didn't need to this past week. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Leonard Fournette, four touchdowns. And, I mean, Tom Brady finally getting back um, – Rob Gronkowski, and he, he's starting to utilize him more over 100 yards through the air. But, I mean, yeah, this is just a high, pretty high-scoring game back and forth between two, I think, two good teams. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say that Tampa Bay shut down Justin Ta- – I mean, Jonathan Taylor, but they definitely, like, contained him to an extent. Like, yeah, it looks like he had 83 yards, but I think he was more contained. He was more contained than, like, that stat line gives me. But, yeah, I mean, this Tampa Bay team is obviously a top team in the NFC, and the Colts gave them a good game. I thought, yeah, this was just a good game, probably one of the best of the week. Carson Wentz kind of impressed me in this game because before Jonathan Taylor, like, went going, got going a little bit, he was kind of, like, airing it out, had a nice, uh, I think, 60-yard touchdown to one of his receivers. So, yeah, I mean, Carson Wentz had a quietly good year in Indianapolis. I don't think he's gotten enough credit for it. Because Jonathan Taylor's been running wild. People are like, Carson Wentz is just game managing, which he is to an extent. But, I don't know, he's done his fair share of, um, he's, he's done some some good things, obviously, in Indianapolis. So, I mean, this is a good good team between two. I expect to be um, playoff teams come uh, December and January. Yeah, definitely a good test for these teams come January because they should be playing some big playoff games then. But I agree with you, too. I don't think Carson Wentz maybe has gotten the credit he deserves in Indianapolis for the job that he's done. He's played within the system, you know what I mean? He's starting to play more within himself rather than kind of in Philadelphia. They threw everything at him and we're like, all right, let's hopefully make something work and let's do something on the offensive side of things. But that's going to pivot it off now 
to the NFC. And let's talk about a game core that had big playoff implications as well. I mean, you had the Green Bay Packers play the Los Angeles Rams in Lambeau. The Rams coming off the bye week. The Packers coming off that loss to the Minnesota Vikings. The Packers end up winning this game court 36-28. to 28. I know the Rams kicked the field goal late to try to um, make it one possession and get the onside kick back. But Matthew Stafford throws another pick six in this game. Aaron Rodgers has a big game on the other side for Green Bay. And yeah, it just looks like the Packers, if you ask me, saw this as an opportunity maybe to separate themselves from the rest of the NFC. I mean, kind of a win over the Rams, who people have pegged maybe one of the top teams in that conference. And uh, they definitely did that. And for the Rams side of things, three straight losses definitely can't feel good off a of bye week. And I'm not pushing the panic button yet because they're still a very good football team, but maybe they're not as dominant as we expect them to be or we thought they would be. Yeah, I mean, the Rams, I am certainly can't hit the panic button. I mean, not panic button, but, like, this team's obviously way too talented to, like, say that this team shouldn't be around come, like, to, to come out of the NFC potentially. But right now, I mean, you look at um, they've lost four in a row. Like, they've lost to the Titans at the time, like, pretty good team. Uh, 49ers on the road, they get, they get cooked. Packers. They, they lose on the road. Um, I don't know. This team kind of – I know they beat the Colts and Buccaneers, but a lot of, like, these – they're playing, like, a lot of the, like, the good – like, they've had – like, when they played Titans, 49ers, and Packers are three pretty good teams, and they haven't beaten any of them. Obviously, I'm not saying that this team can't – obviously, they should be able to beat the better teams in the NFC or just in the NFL. But, I don't know. I saw, like, a stat. I forgot what it was, but, like – I know for a fact, I know Matthew Stafford spent a lot of years on the Lions, but his his career record against teams with like an above five hundred record is not good at all. I'm not saying any I'm not saying that has to do with Matthew Stafford. I think he's um he's a really good quarterback. But I don't know, like Stafford, I think him going to the Rams, like he still has to show like he could beat good teams because he didn't really do it in Detroit, but he kinda had an excuse like the Lions are just a bad team here. He's got all the talent in the world. I know they lost, obviously, Robert Woods, but you bring in Odell Beckham Jr., obviously your defense is, is pretty stacked. I don't know. This team's got to flip it around. Obviously, the talent's there. Hopefully, it's just taking some time to kick in. But right now, I don't know. They've kind of been struggling against um, some of the better teams in, in, the, in the NFC and in the league. Yeah, it just seems like the Rams almost the past couple of weeks have really gotten away from their identity of running the football and letting everything else work off that. Because Stafford was playing so well in the beginning of the season. Everybody was already like pushing Stafford towards the top of like the MVP conversation, which it was well warranted and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, like let's make sure we win football games here instead of kind of get too fancy with things that kind of make Stafford do things that maybe he could, but like he can, but he's not necessarily used to doing or not necessarily like thrive at doing. You know what I mean? I think Sean McVay should just start playing a lot more in his offense within him. So, I mean, you look at a couple weeks ago when like the San Francisco 49ers were struggling and then they came out on that Monday night football game and against the Rams and they just absolutely controlled the football. They ran the football to it. Like, I think they ran the football 50 times that game and they just finally got back to their identity. Sean McVay has to get back to his identity and what he wants to do on the offensive side of things. I think that going against the Jacksonville Jaguars this week, there's not really a better opponent to do it against and to kind of kind of in a get right game for the Rams in a sense. But yeah, something even even on the defensive side of the ball, you know what I mean? You wouldn't really necessarily love to see the Packers put up 36 points in here. And I mean, the Packers dominated the time possession in this game. They had uh, 40 minutes of possession time compared to 
the Rams 20. So get off the field too. That would also help if you're the Rams on that side. But I'm not, again, I'm not completely worried about the Rams in the sense I'm still high on them, but definitely something needs to change there. I'll say in that sense, another team in the NFC that kind of had a tough loss. We mentioned that game on Thanksgiving, the Dallas Cowboys lost to the Raiders in overtime. Are you really worried about the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC playoff picks? I mean, I personally think that they're fine in the NFC East. I think they're definitely a step above all those other teams. I know they have a two game lead to up on Washington and Philadelphia. So I'm personally not too worried. I know they, they still have to play Washington twice too. So I guess you could say that if Washington were to take both of those, then Dallas is definitely um, in jeopardy of losing that division and not winning it. But I, I don't see that happening. I personally think Dallas is perfectly fine in their playoff standing. No, yeah, I think Dallas is um all right. I definitely think they'll uh, they'll win the NFC East. And um, I think a thing that was big here, I mean, the offense dropped 33 points, but to me, they did have a lot of three and outs. I know late, maybe they um, they moved the ball a little bit, but I don't know, when you're without Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, probably two of the best, I'd say Amari Cooper is definitely one of the best route runners in the league. CeeDee Lamb, also a really good route runner, but also just like, just an explosive presence. Like, without those two guys, uh, those guys make Dak Prescott's job, or whatever, like even Cooper Russ, like, it makes the quarterback's job so much easier because those guys, you know, are going to are gonna get space and uh, get open. Um, Michael Gallup, Cedric Wilson did a good job in this game, but, I mean, to, to be without, like, your two best playmakers, it, it's kind of tough. Uh, I want to see this team, like, when they have those two because th- it definitely takes their offense to, like, a whole nother level. I don't think that's, like, anything crazy to say. I mean, those two guys get open, and Dak Prescott will find them. I mean, the defense kind of got marched on in this game, but – I don't know. I, I'm, I think the defense has been good all year. Um, sorry to have a game like this. So, yeah, I'm not really concerned at all about the Dallas Cowboys. I expect them to come back with a ba- bounce back win. Uh, we'll talk about that in the game picks. But, yeah, I think they bounce back this week against the, against the Saints. Yeah, I mean, you without Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, definitely offensively you're depleted a little bit. But Dak Prescott, I thought, did more than enough in that sense, to win that game. I know he made a couple of real nice passes to Michael Gallup, especially late in that game. Just a shame that on defense, a couple penalties on third down didn't really necessarily help them. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too worried about the Cowboys, as I was mentioning earlier. Core, going to lead us into our game picks. Good little preview of that. I guess we'll start first. We'll talk about the Cowboys scenes game, which is the Thursday night football game this week. A big, um, a big thing in this game will be – Taysom Hill starting at quarterback finally for the Saints. Alvin Kamara, though, will not be playing in this game again. So for the Saints fans, kind of a little uh, bittersweet in the sense that you think your offense is going to get a lot better with Taysom than uh, Alvin Kamara. But if you ask me who would I rather have, Taysom Hill or Alvin Kamara, honestly, probably Taysom Hill because at least I know he can um, make plays, whereas maybe I'm relying on Simeon to get Kamara the ball in certain senses. But in this game, let me get back on track here. Saints are four and a half point underdogs at home. I don't. I, I, it just seems like it's a game that the Saints absolutely have to have after getting embarrassed against the Buffalo Bills. Their defense, it isn't as good as it's been. Like it hasn't played well at all the past couple of weeks. They're still a good unit and stuff like that. They're just going through a little bit of a rut. I'm, I'm going to take the Saints to win this game. I think that Taysom Hill can spark them enough on the offensive side of things. Their defense can kind of step up with a pretty good performance here. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the Saints here on Thursday night to get an upset. Yeah, I mean. Um... I think the spread probably just went up to like five and a half with Alvin Kamara going out. But I, I still think the Saints, regardless, keep this close. I mean, Alvin Kamara being out, to me, the offense um, really has not been 
I mean, they were they were pretty bad with him, but without him, I mean, they just lack some type of playmaker. I think Taysom Hill should definitely elevate this offense. I was wrong when I was saying Trevor Simeon, I think, should be the starter. I mean, I think he got his chance. I think it's definitely Taysom Hill's time. But, yeah, I think the Saints cover the spread. But I think uh, I think Dallas gets the win here and now uh, bounces back from uh, from that Thanksgiving game against the Raiders. All right, very fair. Moving on to a game that we kind of alluded to earlier in our episode, an AFC battle, big game for the playoff implications there. The Chargers travel to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. The Bengals are three-point favorites here. I'm really torn about this game, Corey, because I'm high on the Chargers. I like what they've done to this point this season. Yes, they had a kind of a tough game this past weekend against the Denver Broncos. I'm not really completely in on the Bengals. I know I said the Bengals that I'd probably take them over the Browns the rest of the way, but I don't, I don't completely love that. You know what I mean? I think the Bengals aren't as good of a football team as like people think they are. I think this is also a perfect spot to buy the Chargers low and get the Bengals high after what happened in the past week. But the Chargers run the Chargers run defense is just so brutal. So it kind of it kind of has me going like what, what's going to happen? Push come to shove. Push come to shove. I'm going to take the better football team that I personally think. So I'm going to take the Chargers to win this game in Cincinnati. Take them plus three and uh, to win. But yeah, I think they just have to contain Joe Mixon. If they can contain Joe Mixon, they give themselves a, a real good chance to win. I think Justin Herbert can test the secondary again as well. Uh, maybe a Bengals team that hasn't been tested in the air really the past couple of weeks as well. I mean. Yeah, they played the Raiders and they played the Pittsburgh Steelers, but they don't have the same playmakers of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and obviously Justin Herbert at quarterback. So I'm going to go with the Chargers here to bounce back and get a nice win against the Bengals team here. That would um, definitely do them justice going down the stretch in the playoffs. For the playoffs, I should say. Yeah, this is definitely um, a matchup between two up-and-coming teams in the AFC. I don't know. Yeah, like you said, I mean, this Chargers run defense is so bad. I expect Joe Mixon to to continue doing what he's done all year. I mean, I think the Bengals, Jamar Chase has kind of been um, held in check over the last few games, I think. Uh, you got to try to utilize him and try to connect on some more big plays. I know teams are definitely um, t- tuning into that, but I don't know. I think this should be a good game, but I'm going to I'm gonna side with the home team here. I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals. I think the spread, I think this is definitely a one-possession game, but – I'm not, I'll take I'll take the Chargers plus three, but yeah, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Cincinnati wins by a field goal. I think it should be a close game, but I'll take the Bengals to uh, to win outright. All right, moving on to a AFC West matchup, the Sunday night football game this week. The Broncos travel to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. The Chiefs are nine and a half point favorites in this one. Chiefs coming off of their bye week. You know how good Andy Reid has been with an extra week of preparation, so I'm definitely going to take the Chiefs to win this game. I think that obviously. They've kind of been rolling in a sense, and you get on a bye night. You're kind of going to revamp your offense, revamp your defense a little bit more. But I'm going to take the Broncos to cover the nine and a half. I just think the Broncos defense hasn't get maybe enough credit that it deserves. I mean, you look at some of the teams that they've played to. When they played the Cowboys, they did a really good job of shutting them down uh, in the air, as well as the Chargers this past week. I know they had that tough game against the Eagles two weeks or right before their bye week, but I'll live with that. You know what I mean? I think the Eagles, the Eagles are – built differently than the Kansas City Chiefs in the sense of what they want to do offensively. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Broncos to cover this spread, but I'm going to take the Chiefs ultimately to win. Yeah, I'm going to take the uh, the Broncos to also cover nine and a half. I mean, I feel like the Broncos just, they surprise you at times. Like, I remember, yeah, they were like nine and a half, ten point underdogs at Dallas a few weeks ago. They come in and win that game. Uh, I expect Teddy Bridgewater to keep this game kind of close, but yeah. I'm not going to take. I'm not going to bet, bet against the, the Kansas City Chiefs. 
I think they get the job done and win the game. But yeah, I'll take the I'll take the Broncos to cover nine and a half points. All right, Corey. The game probably the best game this week. We're gonna have to wait till Monday to see it. The Patriots travel to Buffalo to play the Bills. The Bills are two and a half point favorites in this game. I mean, again, you want to talk about a game that you're kind of uh, going back and forth, and this is definitely one of them, if you ask me, the way that I've seen. I mean, New England, yes, they're on the six-game win streak, but they haven't seen a quarterback as good as Josh Allen. They played Justin Herbert is what I was going to get ready and say. But the way that I'm going to go in this game, how do I, this one's tough, man. I, I, the Bills finally got back on track, too, this past week against the Saints. And you know what? I'm going to stay with the Buffalo Bills staying and winning another game. I think they put the Patriots win streak to bed so i'm going to take the patriot the bills minus two and a half here i don't i think it's gonna be real close it might be it might be by three points i'd love to take the patriots in the game i think they make a statement but i think josh allen just too explosive and maybe a little different of a quarterback like i said what they've seen the past couple weeks where it hasn't really been like the the top top quarterbacks you know what i mean so i think i'll take the bills here they're a well-coached team as well it's not like they're gonna get they're severely losing that in the coaching bat. Obviously, they are to Bill Belichick. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the Bills here in a game on Monday Night Football that better not disappoint is what I should say. Yeah, I mean, this should be a really good game in uh, in Buffalo. Uh, I don't know. I think this. I think Bill Belichick will be able to adjust on the defensive end. But, I don't know. I mean, this is, I think this is the Patriots, like, True, true test. Like, yeah, they've been dominating. Yeah, they're a contender. But a lot of those games, like, some of them have been, like, quality wins. Some of them have been, like, decent wins. I mean, they beat the Browns by a lot at home. You look back at that, uh, maybe, like, the Browns aren't that good anymore. But I'm going to side with the home team here. I'm going to take the Bills minus two and a half, which I expect to be a really good game. I think uh, Josh Allen, like you said, uh, I think Josh Allen is just too much. At this point, and yeah, I mean, I think I think the Bills get it done and uh, win this game. Yeah, I think one of the things too that kind of makes me sway Bills a little bit is that they're giving up less than 100 yards on the ground this year per game. So the Patriots' offense, we know that it needs to thrive in the run game to kind of really build off everything else. So that's where kind of I stand in that as well. I think the Bills too, if they could run the football a little bit on the Patriots, that would help them. I know sometimes they become a little bit too one-dimensional on the offensive side of things. But yeah, I'll go with the Buffalo Bills there in a game that should be incredible on Monday Night Football. I'm going to kind of rattle off our, the rest of our picks, go through the slate for Sunday. I'll take the Giants plus four and to win the game over the Dolphins. I even know that this definitely kind of does depend on who's that quarterback. If Mike Lennon's out there, it definitely doesn't give me too, as much hope as it does if it would be Daniel Jones. I know he had a neck strain. He's week to week currently. But I definitely think the Giants can beat this Miami Dolphins football team. I think the Buccaneers minus 11 over the Falcons. I know the Falcons are coming off a victory, but these two teams are in completely different leagues in that set. I know that maybe the playoff standings don't say so, but the Buccaneers always handle the Falcons pretty well. They did earlier in the year as well. We take the Cardinals minus eight over the Bears in a game that – We'll probably see Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins both come back. I'll take the Lions to cover plus seven, but the Vikings to win the game in that one. I'll take the Eagles minus seven over the Jets. The Texans plus nine, but the Colts to win in that game. I'll take the Rams minus 13 in a nice bounce back spot. The Ravens minus four and a half in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. The 49ers minus three and a half in Seattle. I think the Seahawks are done after that Monday night football game. And uh, yeah, that kind of wraps up our picks. We talked about the Monday night and Sunday night games. Yeah, I mean, I think the Dolphins keep it rolling at cover minus four against the Giants. I think 
I think the Buccaneers cover minus 11 on the road. I just expect a um a blowout win in Atlanta. Uh, I'll take the Cardinals minus eight if D Hop and Kyler Murray are back. Um, Vikings minus seven. I mean, hey, Vikings love one possession game, so I'll get, I'll take the Lions plus seven, but Vikings to win. Eagles, uh, Jets. I'm gonna take. That's a tough one. I think I'm gonna take Eagles minus seven, even though. The Jets are obviously my squad, but yeah, I'll take the Eagles minus seven, obviously, to win. I like the Colts minus nine against the Texans. I think the Rams got to just blow out the Jaguars. I'll take them minus 13 um, at home versus Jacksonville. I think see, I think the Steelers cover plus four and a half versus the Ravens, but I think Lamar Jackson finds a way to get the win here, and I'll take the Ravens to win. Yeah, I think the 49ers cover minus three and a half at Seattle. I think Seattle's pretty done right now. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, that does it with our our game picks. Yeah, and that means that we can finally move on to the NCAA and college football. I said it was a crazy week in terms of just the teams on Saturday, rivalry week, and then all the coaching hires that happened on really Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Unbelievable, all the change-up. I'm ready to get into it. And there's no game other bigger than the game core where we saw Michigan finally get the job done. They upset Ohio State in this game, and they will be in the Big Ten Championship thanks to a 42-27 to victory and Hassan Haskins on the ground game of the Michigan Wolverines. I mean, five touchdowns from Haskins, it, it, 300 total yards on the ground from an offensive point of thing for Michigan. Haskins had like, I think, 170 of them. But I mean, in the second half, they just absolutely imposed their will on Ohio State. They said, we're going to run the ball down your throats and kind of that's what, like if you can't stop it, we're just going to keep doing it. They don't get stopped in the second half. They had four drives, four scoring touchdowns, and the fifth drive they just needed out at the end. So a great performance for Michigan, definitely something that I thought maybe was possible, but I didn't think was too likely. I think maybe it did help that it was snowing a little bit, kind of kept the Ohio State offense from really getting completely in rhythm. But for Aiden Hutchinson, too, on the defensive side of the things, being able to get after C.J. Stroud and really kind of, I'm not going to say that they completely shut down Ohio State's offense. It's more of a testament to how good their run game was Michigan and just how overall they were just so much more physical than Ohio State, and they just wanted this game more than Ohio State. And it was it was evident on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, this game being in Ann Arbor, we saw um, definitely like kind of snowy, cold temperatures. I think definitely favored Michigan from the start, and they came out first drive, and uh, then they scored a touchdown. And then we're able to, I don't know, just from the start, like this game clearly favored uh, Michigan. And when you rush for almost 300 yards, um, usually you're going to win the game. Um, most likely, I think, this game, um, Michigan definitely got the game going in, like, their type of way. Uh, obviously, um, Ohio State going to probably be done for the college football playoff. But, yeah, I mean, this game, the offense still looked pretty good. Just, I don't know, Michigan was just a better team. Uh, today and it was like the game plan like it worked to their advantage and yeah I mean Michigan now sits in the driver's seat just needs to beat Iowa and they'll get into the college football playoff but yeah Jim Harbaugh finally uh gets over the hump I was thinking if he can't beat Ohio State this year I mean they had a good year obviously he wouldn't get fired but I don't know just good to see him finally get over the hump and uh get a win against uh, Ohio State. Yeah, for sure. Definitely good to finally get a win against Ohio State on Hardball's resume. I mean, I mentioned I kind of Aiden Hutchinson, like I said, three sacks. Ajabo had one, too. So if you would have told me earlier 
in the week that those guys would combine for four sacks. I'd say, all right, that like that sounds pretty good in the way that I think the game's going to slide in a sense for Michigan. A lot of things you're right went Michigan's way in this one, but at the end of the day, they just wanted it more. They were the more physical team. They deserved to win that football team. And really, Cade McNamara, the guy who I thought could potentially maybe hold Michigan back in a sense that he wasn't really asked to air it out as much. Played very good in that Michigan State game, though. So I won't completely say that he's had, like, he, he's had a perfectly fine year is what I'm, was what I'm going to get at. But he wasn't really asked to be Superman this past week, and that's not who he is. He was asked to kind of really just play in rhythm. I know he threw that pick in the red zone, but after that, he was fine. Played complimentary football to the run game. And like you said, Michigan controls their destiny. They just have to have a win in Indianapolis against Iowa this week in the Big Ten Championship game. And Michigan could be making their first appearance in the college football playoffs. Core will move on to the Iron Bowl. I mean, you talk about an absolute squeeze. Alabama in four overtimes against Auburn. I mean, just to get there, they Bryce Young had to march down the field with like 30 seconds left and score a touchdown. I thought Auburn in this game, no doubt about it, should have went for two at the end of the first overtime. I, I stand by this. When you're a worse team like that, you have, and especially because they got like they like like let it go down to one play. The longer the game goes, the, it favors the better team. Uh, you they were gonna have to go for two anyway in the second, third, and fourth overtimes, obviously. So use your best two point play and go for it all in at the end of the first overtime. If you win, if you get that play, you win. If not, you lose. I mean, they lost anyway. Like I said, it just doesn't favor Auburn if that game were to continue going. I mean, they, Auburn had that game won, and then they just let it slip right out of their hands and handed it right to Alabama, really down the stretch in that game. So, uh, yeah, Alabama survives barely. Their playoff folks are still alive. I mean, you would think that a loss would probably knock them out, but who knows at this point if a two-loss Alabama team were to still get in. But for at least for right now, they definitely are more than alive thanks to Bryce Young's heroics. Yeah, I mean, this game was kind of an ugly game. Uh, Auburn definitely had this game in their hands with a backup quarterback. But, yeah, I mean, Bryce Young wasn't great all game. But, I mean, when it came down to it, um, he got the job done, led him to a touchdown um, late in the fourth quarter. And, yeah, I mean, uh, Auburn, like, you literally had your – you're not you're six and five at the time. I'd honestly go for two as well. I mean, you lose the game off that, like it's all right. Like you, um, I mean, you're six and six anyway. You ended up losing the game anyway. But I don't know. I think with a backup quarterback, you got to be playing with, at that point, kind of with like some some house money. Even though you're at home, I think going for two definitely would have been a like a smart move. Even if they missed it, like I'd say, good call. But I don't know, they didn't, and then obviously in, in um, later in the overtime, um, they had to go for two anyway. They lost the game, and yeah, I mean, Alabama really hasn't looked pretty over the last few weeks, but hey, they're finding ways to win. They sit here at 11-1, and one. and yeah, I mean, they, they also control their own uh, destiny. They just need a win, and they'll be in the college football playoff. I don't know how the committee would decide if they lose. Somehow, I think if they lose, they're still putting Bama in. I just think Somehow, Bama's resume is good enough, and Alabama's a top-four team in the country. So, I don't know, but I'm curious. But, yeah, I mean, this this weekend definitely should be a really good game between um, two SEC powerhouses in Georgia and uh, Bama. Yeah, I mean, for Alabama's sake, I mean, they have to look at this Auburn game and improve on certain things. I mean, seven sacks against this Auburn front. Auburn's a physical team, but let me tell you something. You know what one of those is even more physical? Uh, Georgia. I mean— <laughs> They get back Jamison Williams, which will help. Jamison Williams was ejected in this game for targeting in like the second quarter. Definitely a huge loss. A guy who went for over a thousand yards 
in the air for them. Been an awesome transfer from Ohio State. But John Mechie kind of took the load of the receiving work, which he's more than capable of. Like I mentioned last week on last week's episode, I think Mechie and Williams are one of the best receiver duos, probably behind the Ohio State trio. Because, I mean, choose whatever two you want of the three. Those guys are unbelievable at Ohio State. But, yeah, Alabama's right up there, too, with what they have. But it, it does scare me a little bit for Alabama going against Georgia, especially the way that just like, you're right, they've kind of been squeezing by the past couple of weeks. I know that Arkansas game, they had they needed like a late touchdown in that game to kind of really put that game away. Um, the LSU game, uh, maybe that, that's going back a little bit longer, maybe almost a month ago now. So they definitely have their plate full with Georgia this week. I know we'll definitely get into that when we preview. And I know me personally, I've kind of been going still back and forth on that game because at the end of the day, I mean, we're talking Nick Saban here. He's going to have the boys ready for sure. But core. We're going to talk now about Oklahoma State's big victory over Oklahoma to send them to the Big 12 championship. I mean, they played a little sloppy in the second half. You had a fun muffed punt. I think they had a, what was it? Maybe it was a defensive. Oh, no, it was a, yeah, it was like the, that, that was the touchdown on the muffed punt. Then you had the safety that they gave up. But Oklahoma State scores two fourth quarter touchdowns, thanks to Spencer Sanders and at the end, Caleb Williams couldn't do enough. I mean, that run that he almost had at the end of the game was unbelievable. I really thought, honestly, he had a chance to get in. Then they kind of, they kind of pan the camera a little bit, and you see he's kind of runs out of a little uh, room by, like, the 20-yard line. But for Oklahoma State, they'll be playing for a Big 12 championship game and potentially a college football playoff berth. So good for them, and I'm excited to see what they can do. Yeah, I mean, this was, um, this was a good game between um, two of these teams. Uh, I mean, Oklahoma kind of had this game in the um, in the driver's seat up nine, 33 to 24, like late in the third. But, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, Oklahoma State in that third quarter kind of had some, like, bonehead plays, not just like turnovers that could have been prevented. And, you know, Oklahoma gives the ball right back. I mean, I think, yeah, Oklahoma State was punting the ball. I think it was, they were up definitely at the time. Might have been 33-31. And the guy muffs the punt. Spencer Sanders gets a touchdown. And they're up in the offense. Oklahoma. I don't know. This Oklahoma offense, like, kind of was getting bailed, like, on special teams and their defense um, in, the, in that third quarter. And it kind of it kind of felt like Oklahoma should have been able to do more with that than just be up nine. Like, I think they should have been up double digits for sure. Maybe a three-possession game. But, hey, Oklahoma State battled when um, when they were making mistakes. And they were able to force a turnover. Yeah, that that at the end, yeah, we got to talk about that. That, that. That's pass interference in the end zone at the end of the game. I know maybe the ref doesn't want to throw the flag, but when like you don't turn and you're just grabbing the the receiver, it's got to be um, pass interference late in the game. I know there's like 20 seconds left, but I don't know. I think the refs definitely missed that. But hey, Oklahoma State gets the win. They're number five right now, and any slip up from uh from the top four teams, I think Oklahoma State, as long as they beat Baylor, like they have as good of a case to make the college football playoff as um as anyone out there if um, one of those four teams loses. Yeah, de- definitely could have been PI at the end. I remember the play that now that you're talking about, but for Oklahoma, if you ask me, it shouldn't have came down to that. You're 100 percent right in the second half, really particularly like the third the third quarter. They had to take advantage of some of Oklahoma State's mistakes. You're right. It felt like they should definitely be up more than nine, but they let Oklahoma State 
hang around who proved to be the better team. And you can't let better teams hang around in games or else they will make you pay at the end of the day. And that's exactly what Oklahoma State did. Now, you kind of alluded to the fact that you think if Oklahoma State wins, they kind of need a slip up in a sense. I personally think that if Oklahoma State wins, they're going to jump into the top four. I don't I don't know who they're going to jump. I don't know who gets bumped out. I would assume at that at this point, I'd be hoping that either like Bama would lose. So they'd be a two loss team in Cincinnati or Cincinnati would lose. But I don't know. I just think that the way that the committee has went the past couple the past couple years, I think it'd be crazy to do it too to kind of kind of do this to Cincinnati. But I do think it's very very possible that if Oklahoma State were to win this game, they would jump to four, even if Cincinnati and Bama both win and knock Cincinnati out. Because I mean, they'd have a 12 win season. Um, Oklahoma State, yes, I know Cincinnati would be 13 no, but only one loss to an Iowa State team that. Yeah, they're good. They're not great, but they're good. I mean, they'd have wins against Oklahoma, two wins against Baylor on their resume, and they'd have that Big 12 Conference title that Cincinnati maybe doesn't hold as much strength with the um, American Conference. So that that's where I'll go with it. I think that Oklahoma State will honestly end up in the college football playoffs. I won't necessarily say exactly how. That way it gives me a little bit more leeway there. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Oklahoma State ends up getting in. What about you? See, like, uh, I just think, like, if Cincinnati, like, wins against Houston, all right, if they win the game, I think if they win this game, a close affair, and Oklahoma State wins, maybe they could um take out Cincinnati, but I don't know. I just feel like, let's say Cincinnati goes out there, handles business, wins this game by two touchdowns. Like, if you're going to take this team out when they're 13-0, and like, what, there's just no reason for this team. Like, how could you go 13-0? and and not getting the college football playoff. I know maybe their schedule hasn't been that tough, but they did beat Notre Dame, who is currently sitting at six. Like, that should be enough for me as a quality win. So, if Cincinnati handles, um, takes care of business against Houston in the AAC championship game, I, I, I don't see how the committee could take them out. Like, how could you take out a 13-0 team? They have a quality win over a top six team. Like, I just don't see how you could take Cincinnati out I think Oklahoma State needs um like I, I said before I think if Bama loses they'll find a way to get in I, I actually think I'm wrong obviously I think if Oklahoma State wins Bama loses I think Oklahoma State jumps them but if Cincinnati wins I don't think how they I, I don't see how they can get uh taken out yeah it's, it's a very fair point that you make and I'm glad that I don't have to make the decision on who's in if uh Cincinnati was 13 and 0 and Oklahoma State was 12 and 1 with Bama also being 12 and 1 so the committee definitely has their plate full. I think that the committee, in a sense, is hoping that it works itself out. But I don't know. It would just scare me if you ask me to see how well that like how much they've been kind of biased towards the power five teams. And then if you're Cincinnati, kind of knowing that there's a one loss conference title team right behind you, it would it would scare me a little bit on their playoff chances. Do I think that they have a shot? Yeah, I 100 percent agree with you from the fact that if they're 13 and 0, like what else more could they have done? They beat everybody. You know what I mean? At some point, it's almost out of their control. Like they, they proved to you that they're a good enough football team. So we'll have to wait and see. Like I said, I think it'll honestly work itself out, but who knows? I mean, we could be on the show next week and we could be kind of praising the committee for getting something right, maybe, or we could be absolutely slandering them because they had, they made a decision that we're like, Ugh, I don't agree with that at all. But on the Oklahoma side of things in this game now, Yes, they lose the game to Oklahoma State, so they won't be in the college football playoffs. They lost more than that, though, Core. I mean, the coaching changes this past week in college football. 
really never seen anything like this. Obviously, with the end of the regular season coming right before bowl games and stuff like that, you always see the coaches change up. They have to get their recruiting in for the rest before December, before the end of December. But Lincoln Riley is really the top dog to go. He goes from Oklahoma to USC. We've talked about the USC job before being potentially one of the top jobs in college football. I'm not sure if we said if we thought it was better than the LSU job or worse. I think they're both very close in the sense. I honestly think the USC job might be better just because you don't have to go into the SEC and you get to play in the Pac-12 almost. Obviously, the brand in USC football is one of the biggest in all of the college football landscape and stuff like that, especially their history. I mean, they've kind of struggled a lot the past five, ten years, I want to say, in a sense. They really haven't gotten back to their dominant ways ever since really Pete Carroll was there. But Lincoln Riley is definitely the coach to bring them there. I think Lincoln Riley will now be at USC for, I mean, for a long time. Like when when Lincoln Riley leaves USC, Corey, we're going to be pretty old by then, if you ask me. I think that this is the move then that kind of like cements him there, which it's crazy because I thought I really honestly thought he'd stay at Oklahoma for a long time too. When he was passing up, he passed up like the Dallas Cowboys job interview, and I was like, all right, if you're not if you're not going to interview with the Cowboys and stuff like that, like you got to be pretty comfortable. But USC, it's one of those places, I guess, that he thinks that he can win one quicker than he could at Oklahoma, which I honestly do agree with that. And he thinks that he can make them a college football powerhouse. So I'm excited to see that. And overall, core, a good win for the Pac-12. I mean, you talk about a conference now that gets a perennial top five coach in college football, top three college uh, coach in college football. I mean, that's good for the Pac-12. Hopefully we can finally see a Pac-12 playoff team in USC. Yeah, I mean, I think Lincoln Riley going to uh, USC definitely elevates that program. And like you said, definitely elevates the conference as a whole. I mean, to get a coach like that, a recruiter like that, I think, um, yeah, I mean, Lincoln Riley, I'm not saying he saw Oklahoma heading to the SEC and was like, oh, I'm going to have to play like all these top teams. Let me go to the, let me go out west, maybe head to a little bit of a weaker conference. I don't know. If that was his mentality, but maybe he just liked USC. But yeah, I mean, him going to USC definitely helps um helps that program out. I expect them to get some. Uh, the recruiting should def. I mean, USC gets good recruits, but I definitely expect them to be getting like more five star recruits and uh stuff like that. And I expect them to. Yeah, I mean, they definitely should be competing more now at the top of the Pac-12 and should definitely turn into like over time I expect them to turn into uh one of the better programs in the country because I think Lincoln Riley is just um just a really good coach and I expect them to to be able to get that done yeah listen if you had to buy stock in college football programs definitely USC would be at the top of my list with the Lincoln Riley hire I mean you do talk about recruiting what it'll help with too if you look at I remember that stat earlier in the year or whatever but like five quarterbacks from like California, right outside, like Southern California too, were played high school ball there and then didn't end up playing there. It was like JT Daniels. I know he trans he transferred from there, but he's no longer with the program. JT Daniels, Corral, Bryce Young, uh, DJ on Clemson, and I think there was one more quarterback that I can't think of off the top of my head. So now you bring in Lincoln Riley, he's going to keep those recruits in California and at home to play at the University of Southern California. I think Caleb Williams could potentially be coming with him, if you ask me. I think that a lot of these are, like, Caleb Williams doesn't come to Oklahoma for Oklahoma. Caleb Williams goes to Oklahoma for Lincoln Riley and to play with him. So I definitely think Caleb Williams will follow him there. I feel bad for the USC young kid, Jackson Dart, potentially what his future could hold. But I can potentially just open up another big transfer QB. I mean, he's kind of, kind of, 
he's kind of gotten a little bit of action down the stretch in this year. So his future definitely, um, hopefully he uh, finds a new role. And that wasn't the only coaching change that we had this past week. Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame to take the LSU job, a move that I honestly didn't think. Like, I, I really didn't think Brian Kelly would leave LSU. I think I was a little more surprised at Brian Kelly leaving than Lincoln Riley. But what he's been able to do at Notre Dame, making them a perennial top five, six team, it seems like almost every year, continue to do that. Now you go into the SEC, you get maybe probably a better place to recruit kids. You know what I mean? It's a lot yeah, like it's easier to recruit in like to get people to go to LSU than it is to Notre Dame. So what he's been able to, like I said, what he's the job that he's done at Notre Dame in that sense and making them a top uh, football program really in the country, I think he's going to be able to do that. He's going to have that same impact at LSU. I think it's a really good hire for LSU. I thought that they were kind of in trouble in a sense on who they could hire because I really didn't think Kelly was an option. I thought, like I said, I thought he'd stay at Notre Dame. But, uh, yeah, I, w- I was impressed with this one. Yeah, I think Brian Kelly was a um, being able to turn – Notre Dame, it's like a, a good program. Um, I, I mean, going like you said, I mean, Notre Dame might be like a top um, historically like program, but I think LSU definitely gets better recruits. And I think him going to LSU, uh, expecting to be able to recruit top uh, top recruits also and uh, bring them into LSU, I think for losing co- coach head, I mean, Ed Orgeron, I think bringing in. Brian Kelly, who's been a, a good, a proven good head coach in college football. Yeah, I think it's definitely um, another good hiring for, for LSU to bring in a, a, a name, a known name like that to um, to try to elevate your program. So, yeah, I think uh, it's a good hire for LSU after losing um, coach or Jerome at the end of the year. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you, Corey. I mean, the guy is a good football coach, so ultimately – Great hire by LSU. And we'll kind of move on to Notre Dame now, who had to fill that void. And they end up bringing in Marcus Freeman. Marcus Freeman, a real up-and-comer in the coaching world. I think he's not even, like, he's, like, 38, if I want to say. He used to play at Ohio State in, like, the mid-2000s, which is crazy if you think about that. But he was the defensive coordinator at Cincinnati, and he was getting a lot of looks from a lot of different schools this past offseason. Notre Dame was able to pry him away from Luke Fickle and become the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. He's had a great year there. and He's going to take over that coaching role. Tommy Reese, their offensive coordinator, was also a another guy who's – he's not even 30 yet. He, he was like the first quarterback under Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. He's going to stay as the offensive coordinator as well. It was really between them two. They both have real good coordinators there. So being able to retain both of those guys and keep them in the program I think was a great move from Notre Dame. I think they're going to be fine. Yes, you do lose Brian Kelly, but I think Marcus Freeman, again, is just one of the superstars in the coaching world. And I think um, he's definitely going to have Notre Dame in good standing. Yeah, I mean this guy, um, this guy Freeman. I don't, I don't really know know that much about him, Marcus Freeman. But yeah, I mean, obviously with everything going around, like someone's moving to another person's job. So I, I, I'm gonna be honest, like I don't really know much about this guy, but obviously his background looks pretty good. So I don't know. I mean, Notre Dame has been good. I, I, I don't know if they'll be able to be like. Um, Brian Kelly did a good job. I don't know if this guy will be able to do as good of a job as Kelly, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a good signing overall. But uh, obviously, losing Jack Cohn this year probably. Uh, I don't know how they'll be next year. I don't know if they got any good young quarterbacks, but yeah, I mean, maybe more. I'm thinking like more of just like a process in uh, in Notre Dame, and I'm hoping this guy could uh, could build that team back up. 
Yeah, listen, I mean, there's high expectations there for what Brian Kelly has left them. So I think Freeman will be able to ultimately do the job, but it's not going to be much more. It's not going to be an easy one in the sense that uh, you're going to be expected to win 11, 12 games every year. One other job, core that we'll mention before we get into our game picks, we didn't mention Dan Mullen getting fired because I was going to wait to see how he got hired. And then we talked about Dan Mullen was out of Florida uh, last week and stuff like that. I mean, a disappointing year from Florida. I mean, they lost a lot of guys on the offensive side of the ball, and Tony Tresk and Kyle Pitts, but you didn't think that they would kind of like plummet this much in the SEC and stuff like that, really kind of becoming irrelevant in that SEC East. But Billy Napier takes over. Billy Napier used to be an assistant at Alabama under Nick Saban, and he took the uh, Louisiana Raging Cajuns job, and now he will be taking the job at Florida. Kind of held out in a sense that he was a top candidate really for a lot of different jobs in a couple off seasons. I thought maybe LSU would make a lot of sense for him being that he was already down in Louisiana uh, there. So I thought, you know, I mean, kind of knows the area and stuff like that, but going to Florida, I think it's a good hire for Florida to another guy in the coaching world who's kind of a star. Like I say, I mean, look what he's done with the raging Cajuns, man. They're a perennial top 25 team now playing in the Sunbelt conference. So I think it's a great hire for them. Hopefully he could bring Florida back to the promised land and kind of uh, revamp them. I mean, Anthony Richardson, I've been real high on him. He's going to be there next year. So definitely in good standing for Billy Napier and uh, the Gators. So I think it was a good hire overall. Uh, pretty impressed with it. Yeah, I mean, to bring in a guy who um, who coached at Louisiana Lafayette, like you said, I mean, that the team is um, – they're basically on the map, top 25 team. And, I mean, to see a – like – Kind of a jump, obviously, from uh, Sunbelt to the SEC. I definitely love the hiring here. I mean, for a guy who um, built up a program down there in Louisiana Lafayette, he's going to stay in the South. And um, I, I expect him to do uh, continue to do good things with, uh, with Florida. I mean, I think going to Florida definitely going to help you bring in top-tier talent. So... Yeah, I, mean, I definitely like this hiring coming from a, from a guy who's been on a, a winning program for a few years. Yeah, 32-5 and five he is over the last three seasons down there. I think if LSU didn't get Brian Kelly, I mean, there weren't really a lot of other coaches that I would have been, like, that's all available, that would have been too, too impressive. I would have been really upset with LSU for letting Napier get out of the state of Louisiana and going to Florida, really one of their SEC, not directly their rival in the SEC, but still a pretty good watch and call always a good matchup between those two teams. Uh, but moving on, core, we have championship weekend. We're going to give you some game previews and things like that and give you a couple other picks. I guess we'll start first with the Pac-12 title game. Number 10, Oregon uh, plays number 17, Utah. Utah, two and a half point favorites here. Core, we remember a couple weeks ago when we said that Oregon, there was a, the trap laid out for Oregon. And I, I personally fell right into it. I picked Oregon to win the game. You picked Utah. Good for you. Utah absolutely dominated this game. Core, man. I just don't see again. You just saw the way the way that Utah played that game in the first half. I just how is the line the same in both games? If you ask me, I think it's kind of crazy. I don't get how you don't like it's not really readjusted. So, core, I'm gonna. I think it's fishy again. I'm gonna go with Oregon again. I think it's tough to beat a good team twice, which is what Oregon is. Uh, Mario Cristobal, to the head coach of Oregon, uh, he's gonna adjust and stuff like that. They got they got it to a brutal start in that game against Utah. Like I said, a couple missed field goals early in that game. I think they bounce back here and they win the Pac-12 title. So I'm going to go with Oregon here to cover and to ultimately win the game. Because, like I said, I think it's a little fishy. And I think to beat a team twice, it's real hard. Yeah, I mean, I texted you, um, Utah, like, same lines going to win. But I'm not, like you said, it is tough to beat a team 
twice. And I don't know. I think Oregon, I think that, yeah, they won the Pac-12 championship last year. I think, yeah, I mean, this has got to be a revenge game. I think a similar line, I guess, after Utah cooked them the first time. Like, Vegas can't make Oregon favorites. Um, not saying they deserve to be favorites. But, yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm going to change it up this time. I'm going to take Oregon plus two and a half and two in the game, I think. Maybe at a neutral site in Las Vegas could uh, could help Oregon not being in Utah this time. So, yeah, I think to beat a good team twice is kind of difficult. So that's why I'm going to take Oregon to win. Okay, moving on to the Big 12 title game. We got number nine Baylor playing number five Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State five and a half point favorites here. On Baylor's side of things, their starting quarterback is out. He got hurt maybe two weeks ago. So their backups in Oklahoma State. Like I said, they they beat that they had that huge win last week against Oklahoma. They understand that if they win this week, they could be in the college football playoffs. They smell blood in the water. I think Oklahoma State covers five and a half points, and meaning they'll also win the game as well. Uh, I think their defense is real good. I know Baylor's defense is good as well. Obviously, look at the, what they did to Oklahoma in that game. But aside with the better defense in Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders too, I think will be able to put up do just enough. And like I said, on a young quarterback at Baylor, they're going to make it a little too tough on him, especially how good. I mean, they didn't play, they didn't play great last week against Oklahoma, their defense, but I think they'll clean up some of the mistakes that they made and ultimately win this game. And Mike Gundy will potentially be in the college football playoffs for the first time. Yeah, I mean, I think you're Oklahoma State in this position. You know, um, yeah, I mean, you just got to win and then you just got to wait and see if your name uh, is called for that college football playoff. I think Baylor could easily play spoiler here and um, work their way into a good bowl game. But, I don't know, I expect this game to be close. I'll take Baylor plus five and a half. But I think Oklahoma State gets the job done and, uh, and wins this under Spencer Sanders. But I think this is a close one for the, for the Big 12 championship game. All right, moving on to the last game that we'll kind of preview, and then we'll just give our picks for the rest of them. Courts, the SEC title game. Georgia, top team in the nation, plays number three Alabama. Georgia, six and a half point favorites in this game. Core, I've been torn up all week on which way I'm going to lean in this game because in some points it's like, look at Saban's record against his past assistants. I mean, only one of them has beaten him one time. It was Jimbo Fisher this year. Then you just look like if you ask me if Alabama just didn't have the name attached to them of Alabama, right? You look at that football team and like the line would be so much more in this team. Georgia has been so dominant this year, but they haven't played a team that will air it out as much as Alabama will. Listen, last year, these two teams played. Alabama won the game by, I believe, about 14 points. Alabama's offense isn't as good as it was last year. Georgia's defense is better uh, than it was last year. Ultimately here, I'm, I'm going to ride with Saban Core. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be such a sucker and do it. I'm going to definitely take, I'm gonna take Alabama with the points. And you know what? I'm going to take – no, I'm going to take Alabama with the points, but I'm going to take Georgia to ultimately win. Georgia's too good of a football team, if you ask me. I think that Alabama, if they want to win this game, they have to be able to air it out and just show, give something different to Georgia than they really seen all year. Georgia has not seen an, an offense like Alabama in a sense of being able to air it out. I think if they can get this game into a shootout, it plays definitely in favor of Alabama. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to flip my pick actually, Core. I'm going to take Alabama to win the whole, to win the game too. Now I'm I'm talking myself into it here. So Alabama plus six and a half, Alabama to win the game will be my pick. Yeah, man, I'm definitely taking Alabama plus six and a half. I mean, they have not looked good over um over over the last few. I mean, they obviously look good, but like they haven't been Bama good over the last few games. Uh, 
I don't know. I think Saban, like, you got to look. I think he finds a way to get his guys going. And I think if they know if they lose, like, they're putting themselves in jeopardy of not making the college football playoff. So I think Bama covers plus six and a half. And I think they're able to get the job done here. And, you know, since we probably picked Bama, like, maybe a Georgia money line live bet would be a good bet in this game. But, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna fall for it. And I'm going to take Bama to, to win the game, cover plus six and a half. Yeah, so since we both took Bama, I'm assuming Georgia will win this one 45 to nothing, and Bama will just uh, kind of roll over in this one. But nah, Bama has more to play for in this game in the sense that Georgia's going to be in the playoffs. Yes, Georgia's playing for an SEC title on the overall number one seed in the undefeated record, blah, 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 blah. Alabama needs to win in there, and they have a lot more urgency in this game than Georgia, if you ask me. So I'll side with Alabama and Nick Saban here. Cool, we got three other picks that we're just going to kind of rattle off here. Houston, 21st in the country, plays number four Cincinnati in the American athletic conference championship game i'm going to take houston plus 10 and a half but cincinnati ultimately to win the game michigan in the big 10 title game number two in the country against number 13 iowa iowa squeezed in this week with a minnesota win over wisconsin i'll take iowa to cover the 11 points and kind of maybe a little bit of a hangover game for michigan but i think michigan will probably win the game by about seven to ten points i'll take michigan ultimately to win and in the acc title game i'll take Pitt minus three over wake forest i'll keep backing my boy kenny pickett so uh yeah how do, you, how do you like these games? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with uh, first game I'll take, yeah, Houston uh, versus Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati, I think Houston's a good team, but I think Cincinnati, they're just taking all this stuff personal. They know they a big win. I, I think a big win should get them in the college football playoffs. So I'll take Cincinnati minus 10 and a half in this one. Uh, Michigan versus Iowa. You know, I think Michigan... I think they keep it rolling. I think minus 11 is obviously pretty big. But I don't know. I think Iowa has kind of fell off definitely from the start where they were a top five team in the country. So I'll take Michigan minus 11. And then Pittsburgh-Wake Forest, I expect to be a really good game between, um I think, the two best teams in the ACC, obviously. And I don't know. But I don't know. I think I'm going to lean with Sam Hartman in this one. Go Wake Forest. money line obviously covered plus three. I think this will be um, a really good game between two good quarterbacks. Kenny Pickett uh, potentially could work his way to winning the Heisman if it all comes down to that. But yeah, I'm going to take Sam Hartman and Wake Forest to win this game. Yeah, I mean, any game that you would hope has a lot of points on the board between two offenses. The average over 40 points a game. Uh, each team almost averages 500 yards of total offense. So he would hope that this game ends up at least in the 40s on the end. I mean, you know what I mean? But you'd hope that you don't get a 14-10 victory from whichever side wins that game. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the deep ball underscore. They said a great weekend to be a college football fan, obviously, with the championship weekend and seeing how the playoffs unravel. And then, of course, obviously, in the NFL, we got some. I'm not going to say the NFL slate's great this week, but, you know, I've seen better. But you get a couple of real good games, and obviously you get that treat on Monday Night Football between the Patriots and the Bills. Core, anything you want to leave off with? Nah, just um, yeah, just a good week, mostly for college football. Uh, just be, I'll probably be tuned in, and uh, yeah, I mean that's about it. Just everyone enjoy the weekend, enjoy the day, and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, Core. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.